Hello and welcome back to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. No, I am not Mitch. I'm not the host, but I'm not Mitch, but I am Aaron Gemmel. I am the new host taking over the this big ship. And, you know, I'm not steering this ship alone. I have two very, very knowledgeable sports people with me today. Um, Sean? Sean Chase. Welcome. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, and thank Megan you. Youngblood. Man, God, that's such a cool name to have. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That, that is a great name to have, especially when you're covering sports and stuff like that. That is an unbelievable name to have. Like, thank you. Megan Young, Youngblood. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, Sean, just welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Megan, welcome to the show as well. Excited. I'm excited. It's just a brand new brand new cast, brand new scenery and stuff like that. We don't don't gotta worry about Mitch and Christian anymore. They're on doing <laughs> they're on they're off doing big bigger and better things. Um so and they were just, I'm just so I'm just happy that they this left con, this in control uh for me. So without further ado, let's just let's get into it because this was a very very busy weekend in sports, I would have to really say, um, in the middle of September. But, you know, I'm just happy the weather is actually, you know, better than it was last week because, you know, it was, ugh, it was miserable. Just like, it, ended, it was like five days, five days of just not much, just cloudy and just cold. It was, ugh, it was, it was. That's ugh. my favorite weather. I agree with that. I love the, I love the hoodie weather. Yeah. I hate this. I'm dying right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. Colder is better. Colder. Eh, well, that's you guys are going to get your wish in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> so, get back to this weekend. First of all, I you know they they'll say this on maroon and bold, but I you know I wouldn't be a good uh, host if I wouldn't mention the way that CMU came back against Florida International this past weekend. Wow, that was that I I thought during the third quarter I'm like we cannot get anything going passing we can't you know sermon was struggling the run game was struggling defense defense was doing their job we just couldn't do anything on offense it was tough it was rough right it was rough and then just they put in daniel richardson d rich -Rich. they put in d rich and all of a sudden you know it's almost like a flip just switched and we just went boom 20 21 points in the fourth quarter and we ended up winning 31 to 27 that was just probably the most incredible game that I've seen in person in Kelly Short. Sean, what, do you, what are your takeaways from that game? One, it won me a lot of money because I took CMU money line, and I was getting nervous, I'll be honest. Like, you know, I, I might have made a bad pick. And then to see D. Rich come in, I don't really know as much about CMU football because I'm pretty new up here, but he made it look easy. Khalil Pimbleton, he made him look like a monster. It was a great game. I was impressed. Megan, your thoughts? I mean, yeah. that, was, that, was probably, that was a crazy game. It definitely was, yeah. When the third quarter we weren't producing on the offense, I was like, I wasn't having high hopes. And they put in Danny Richardson, and I'm new to football up here too, so I didn't even know who he was. I just thought he was just the backup, and I was like, okay, I see you, and that he really turned it around for us with the help of Pimpleton. I agree with Sean on all that. Yeah, and that, you know, with Pimpleton getting hit, you know, and that cheap shot and you know, on that punt return in like the third quarter, him getting knocked out, him coming back was awesome. And uh, you know, Dallas Dixon too. He you know, yeah, we have yeah. a he's a young stud as well. Um, but you know, this is that that was a incredible comeback, and now we just got to get ready for conference play. Max, some action. Get ready for the rest of the year. A couple Saturday games, and you know, then the rest they all go to Wednesdays and stuff like that, which will be interesting. So we'll get more on that later as the season progresses. So the NFL yesterday, 
Man, well, that was probably the wildest Sunday I've seen in a long, long time. Um, probably the f- headline would have to be our own Lions. I knew you were going to do it today. I knew it was coming. And the way... God. Okay, so my takeaway is, okay, the Lions, they, they, they can hang. They can hang oh, with yeah. the best teams in the league. They can hang with them. It's just, you know, I'm sitting with my roommate yesterday. I'm like, they're going to lose. We're, we're up 16. To, we're, up six, we're up 17 The 16. or Yeah, we're up 17, 16. I'm like, we're going to find a way to lose. We will. But, you know, first of all, just before we even get to what happened with Justin Tucker, before, you know, with Lamar Jackson ever in all in, in Baltimore's offense out there first. Fourth and nineteen, they give it up. Then there's the whole play clock situation. Yeah. Everything like that. It and then which leads to I'm like, I'm sitting there for sixty six yards. I'm like, it could be done, just not in Detroit. And like maybe Denver, which I'm wearing yeah. right now, wearing all my Broncos <laughs> stuff because we are three and zero. Um, I'll talk more about them in a second. But 66 yards, I'm like, yeah, it could be done in Denver. I mean, we saw Matt Prater earlier almost hit a 68-yarder in Jacksonville. Yeah. But we've seen Matt Prater do this before. He's got a cannon. We've seen Matt Prater do it before. I mean, he had, you know, he had the record before. Spoiler alert to everyone who, you know, didn't see the game or hasn't, you know, been on social media at all. Um, but, you know, just... Tusted Tucker, he 66 yards off the center of the crossbar, goes up, end over end, and just falls right in. Yeah. And Detroit, just like that, Detroit's own three. So, obviously, it was it was a fantastic moment to see. No, it wasn't. No, it, it was it was, <laughs> it was a fantastic moment to see history being made that. like yeah. that. History being made like that. Of course, it was Detroit that was on the on the on the receiving end of it, but you know, in terms of the Lions heading heading forward, how do you recover? It's just how do you respond to a loss like that? It's just like there's nothing you could have done, yeah. you know, or maybe stop them on fourth and nineteen. But that's just all up in the air. So, Sean, what are your takeaways from Detroit Baltimore from yesterday? My biggest thing is I don't trust Jared Goff as a quarterback. I Everybody said since Matt Stafford left, oh, they're the same quarterback, they're the same thing. That is a patented lie. You are bull-faced lying to me. Look at what Stafford's done in L.A. I'm not going to get into their record, so I don't spoil anything later. But And look at what Goff has done. He didn't throw a single touchdown yesterday. Granted, he didn't throw a pick, but we're relying so heavily on a rushing game that with an offensive line that I don't think is top-notch, it makes me question if we can really beat these teams. Megan, your thoughts. I know you're not the absolute <laughs> football-minded, but you know I can imagine you saw the game yesterday. What, what, were, what were your thoughts about that? Well, me and my roommate were talking. We said the way the Lions lost, it's truly in Lions fashion that they lost. It was no, just, you know, as a Lions fan, you think you're going to win, but it just, you always have that, that doubt, and I thought that my whole life. But I think moving forward, the Lions just kind of got to put it behind them in a way. Like, there's nothing that they really could have done to maybe stopping them on 4th and 19, but I don't know, so... Yeah, it's just an all. It's just all like, oh, it's it's always with Lions fans. Oh, if this would have happened, we would have won. If this would have happened, yeah. we, you know, we would have won this. 
you know, going back, you know, going back to week one. Oh, if we would have, you know, scored and tied, you know, against the Niners, we would probably would have, we would have won. If we would have scored another touchdown against Green Bay on Monday night, we would have beat them in Lambeau. Oh, if we would have stopped them on fourth and nineteen, we would have beat Baltimore. Oh, we should be three and zero. No, that's not. <laughs> granted, we should have won that game. The line, Detroit should have won that game. Um, it was just. I just I have no I just have no words just on how that just you know transpired. I mean I give all the props to Justin Tucker and stuff like that. That was probably the greatest kick I've seen since Matt Prater's sixty four yarder way when he was back with Denver uh, during the Peyton Manning days. Um, so it was that was the, I really thought Matt Prater had a, had that sixty eight yarder against Jacksonville. I really did. I was like, what sixty eight yards and then. That Tucker field goal, yeah, it would have been a 66-yard game winner, but that wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. But instead, that 68-yard field goal by a former Lion, Matt Prater, was returned 109 yards by another former Lion, Jamal Agnew. That um, hurt, too. <laughs> that hurt as well. I just, other, just looking at other scores around the league, man, Chicago got shut down yesterday. Justin Fields is bad. I put a bet on him to be rookie of the year, and I'm going to lose it. He did not look good. I think it falls on Matt Nagy. It thought well. It's just yeah. Just just the way the Bears looked. That they looked horrible. Yeah. They couldn't get anything going. Montgomery couldn't run the ball. You know, Justin Fields couldn't throw the ball. It looked like he got hurt during that point in that game. Yeah. And everyone's saying, "Oh, this is Fields' team. This is Fields' team." It's you know not Dalton's. Well, Dalton was doing pretty good before he got hurt. So yeah. and now they're if Justin Fields is out, now they're down to Nick Foles. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, they'll be down to Nick Foles, which is probably not their ideal situation. Although, when he comes in to replace you, he's the best quarterback who ever lived. Real talk. Like, look what he did to Carson Wentz. He made Carson Wentz a non-factor in Philly, and they loved him. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Kansas City is now 1-2. They're under five hundred for the first time in about six years, which is... We're, it's weird to say, but it's also kind of dumb at the same time because they're you know we've only played three games of NFL football this yeah. so far, and but man, LA looked incredible yesterday. The Rams are scary. They may be the best team in the league right now. Yeah, the Rams looked really good. The Rams looked really good, and so did the other Los Angeles team. They looked really good as well going into Kansas City and beating them. Yeah. I mean, Herbert looked great. Mike Williams. I think is outperforming Keenan Allen. I think Mike Williams should be number a number one receiver Definitely. than Keenan Allen. Uh, Mahomes threw two interceptions. You know, just going back to the Baltimore Baltimore's game on Sunday night last week. Just, you know, you know he threw his first interception in September. Oh, okay. Now he threw two interceptions yesterday. He threw two on Sunday, which is unbelievable because you know we don't see this out of Mahomes no. at all. So now Kansas City, you know, they're one and two. Let's just, you know, they're back. They're come, you know, they've lost back to back. I, I'm, I'm just curious to see how, first of all, how Andy Reid is feeling after after he went to the hospital after uh, Sunday's loss, and just how they attack next week. It's going to be interesting. Um, you know, Titans beat the Colts. That's no question there. Washington, oh boy, my uh, Washington. Um, the football team. <laughs> yeah, um, 
Man, did Josh Allen look good. <laughs> and Washington's supposed to be a top five defense. They didn't look they didn't look like that. And they had a ton of rest after they beat New York on Thursday night last week. Uh Josh Allen with five touchdowns. Uh the thriller in Vegas over Miami. That, that was, was a great game. That was good. That was pre- that was pretty good. That was a good game. Uh, Derek Carr looked really good. Kenyon Drake looked good. You know, even Jacoby Brissett for Miami, he looked he looked pretty solid. Do you think he's taking the job? Though I'm hearing two is not. It's not. I, I believe anymore. so. I really believe that. I really. I, I think Brissett could take. I just Tua doesn't fit Miami. He doesn't. he doesn't feel right there for some reason. He doesn't feel right. Maybe if he maybe Houston. Or something like that. That's not a bad idea. Maybe Houston or something like that. Um, just any team that needs a quarterback because, you know, maybe he could challenge one of these these rookies right now in either Jacksonville or New York because, you know, I don't know who looks worse at this point. You know, Lawrence or Wilson. You know, Trevor Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. It's I think Wilson's looking, you know, he's looking even more worse if that's a thing more worse than trevor lawrence but you know we talked on the show last week about you know will urban meyer get be fired by you know one and done and i said you know maybe that's a possibility that's a possibility and um i'm just thinking to myself you know maybe now he could get canned halfway through the year yeah i don't think he's making it two years in jacksonville not the way he's Trevor Lawrence looks horrible, and he did not look like that coming out of Clemson. I don't know what Dabo's offense was. Maybe there's some big difference, but it's scary to see the regression in Trevor Lawrence. It's it is scary, but it's 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 scary to see uh, Zach Wilson just decline just so quick. But he was he was sort of like a off the radar player. He didn't play big time football. He was at BYU. I don't look at that the same way I look at Clemson, where for three years there's been the talk that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the greatest quarterback to come into the league. And it don't look like that now. Granted, he lost ETN mad early in the season. There's going to yeah. be problems with a brand new coach, but I expected him to come in and look like sunshine from Remember the Titans, and he does not look <laughs> like that. So, yeah, well, he yeah, it, that's, it's not sunshine down in Jacksonville. It's you know, it, if they lose next week, they're in the they're pushing history for the longest losing streaks in NFL history. They're at 18 games right now. They lose next week. It's nineteen. That's gonna tie the two thousand beat the Lions from oh seven to oh nine. Of course, as Lions fans, we all remember those glorious days. Never forget that. Um, so I, I'm just curious. I'm just. I, I, it's just a huge question mark over Trevor Lawrence's head right now. Just a question mark, and for Jags fans, probably an exclamation point. Like, really? Yeah. You know, it, it's just it. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what Trevor Lawrence can do. Uh, like you said earlier, Sean, the LA Rams looked phenomenal yeah. yesterday. Phenomenal, and they really just shut down Tampa Bay, which was unexpected. Nobody saw that coming. No, no. nobody did. Definitely not. And the fact that Tom Brady was the leading rusher for the Bucks yesterday. <laughs> with 14 yards. Yeah, I'll give you that. With, four, with 14 yards, three three carries, 14 yards, and a touchdown for Brady. You know. That may be the most yards per carry he's ever had. Maybe. Uh, he's, try, he's trying to break 1,000. <laughs> he's trying to hit that push. But the biggest storyline is now Tampa is heading to New England next week. 
on Sunday night. It's Brady's first time coming out to into coming out into Gillette as a visitor. Yeah. First of all, I'm curious to see how the Patriot faithful treat him. I think it's gonna be rough. When they what I I I kind of disagree. They're gonna give him. They're they're gonna boo kind of like when Peyton Manning was on the Broncos, and he came back to Indy for the first time. They applauded Manning, but they booed the rest of the Broncos coming yeah. out. Yeah, I so, can see them applauding Brady they, as well, just because, like, I mean, he's been he was there for so long. He got them so many Super Bowls. Like, it's respect, but they're probably maybe he might even get booed a little bit, but it won't be like a boo. You suck. It might be like a jokingly kind of boo in a way, I guess. Yeah, it was kind of like the joking boo, like when Peyton Manning gave his Hall of Fame speech, and they he mentioned Brady, and they booed Brady, and Brady was <laughs> that that was funny, but. Yeah, just the way that, you know, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones could not get anything going, which is really weird to see because usually Tampa, you know, they hit they hit the ground hard when they run the ball. And the Rams absolutely just shut that down. Aaron Donald and the rest of that defensive line shut that down. And the secondary was incredible to watch. Jalen Ramsey looked fantastic along with the rest of their secondary. And, you know, Stafford looked Unbelievable. He's the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Bar none. If he could do what he did in Detroit, and everybody said, oh, it's, he's making mistakes. You have to make mistakes with a shitty team around you. But to see what he's doing with, there's no holes on defense. I can't find a hole on offense. And now he's killing it. He was a real number one overall pick. Yeah, it it shook. You know, we had we had those moments of where Stafford in Detroit looked, he looked like a you know future Hall of Famer. Just couldn't get anything done, and that's because it doesn't have you know when the Lions had Caldwell, it was different. Way it, different. It, it was way different. You know, nine and seven missed the playoffs, and he still gets fired. It's that's all ownership. That's no, all. No. That's every. That's everybody up front, and the Rams. Have the complete opposite. They have fantastic owners. They have a fantastic GM. They have a fantastic head coach in Sean McVay, who's only two years older than his starting quarterback. By the way, he's thirty-five. Stafford's thirty-three years old. So when they made that, de- when they, you know, when they met, you know, they met up and down in like the Caribbean and stuff like that. Yeah. It was just like two guys, just you know, two guys, you know, college, like college kids, like us, same age, just hanging out. Just all right. Let's figure out this trade. Let's get you out of Detroit. And the Rams paid a half, paid a hefty price, as we all know. But that hefty price isn't going to be as hefty if they go to the Super Bowl. That's a number thirty-two overall pick. That's not a one or a ten. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. That's a. Uh, that, That's that, what killed me. Everybody's talking about we made we made out like a bandit. No, we lost the greatest quarterback we ever had, and we're going to get a thirty-second pick. Yep. That's just how it's. You know, my you know my Denver Broncos are three zero. Uh, I am very happy, but I'm also concerned because we haven't played really anybody at all. We beat the Giants, we beat the Jags, and we beat the Jets. Those teams are nothing. <laughs> Those teams are nothing. Now next week they have Baltimore at home. I am very, I am very invested in what they're going to do next week because their schedule gets pretty tough from here on out. You know they have, I mean they have the Packers coming up still. They have the Vikings coming up. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, so now I'm going to throw it to Sean. Sean's corner. Sean, what's your take? My biggest take of the week is we need to get rid of Jared Goff. I can't stand him. I can't stand this lackluster offense. And then, oh, it's the fourth quarter. Let's turn this thing up. Like, oh, we're going to put three touchdowns up in the fourth. 
Give me one in the first. I don't need one in the second. Put two up in the back end of the game and win this shit. You know what I mean? I can't stand losing. And we're 0-3 again. We may go 0-17. So getting rid of golf, like, do you just, do you think of just cutting him or trading him See, to another team? Like, what what's your philosophy? I think it's going to be hard to trade him because I'm not the most, like, I know football, but I'm not a GM. I think around the league the talk is he's not that good. If McVay, who is the greatest quarterback whisperer it looks like we've ever seen, doesn't want you, that's a problem. But if we cut him, then we're out like we were Stafford, where now we've got 19 million dead cap. So I'm, I'm thinking, lose every game, go pick a good quarterback this year, let golf take the bodies or the sacks, so to speak, the first couple weeks, and then throw them to the wolf. So, you said go get a young quarterback. Is that you know you find one in free agency? You draft, draft. one like us, like a Spencer Radler from Oklahoma. No, I don't want him. If you, if the Oklahoma fans are cheering for you to go somewhere else, I do not want you. So if you're looking at ideal quarterbacks coming up in this, you know, it's way early, and we'll get the college football in a minute once we are done with our corner takes here. Who is who's an ideal quarterback that sits with Detroit next year? It's gonna sound crazy because he's not looking good right now, but DG or DJ Uyungle, I think he's real. I think he's a real deal talent. Really, I do. I I saw what he did when Trevor wasn't there. I don't know if he's having issues with Dabo. Dabo's trying to make everything about him, but I'd like to see Uyungle in Detroit. So yeah, well, we you know we just said like oh, you know Trevor Lawrence it, you know looks so great out of Clemson now struggling. Mmm, that's interesting. That's but I, his measurables are more important to me. He's faster than Trevor Lawrence is, and he's bigger body than Trevor. Trevor's taller, and he's more lanky, and he's got that beautiful hair. But I think Uyungle <laughs> is just, he's built for the, the beating you're going to take to play in Detroit because you're not going to play clean pocket football in Detroit. Interesting. Interesting. And now I am excited to introduce it kind of it's a brand new segment, obviously, with all three new people host you know doing this show. So now I am excited to start with Megan's mega hockey corner. I like it. I hey, I just came up with it right now. So I just I don't care. So Megan, you are a huge hockey person, as we all know here. So Give us, give us your take. What's going on professionally? What's going on college-wise? What's going on here? Well, professionally, uh, preseason just started. I uh, had some games this weekend. All teams are looking good. Some are definitely struggling. I was surprised with the Kraken this week, the newest team in the NHL, Seattle Kraken. They won their preseason game. It's just preseason, but they got their first goal of history by Riley uh, Shane. So it's pretty exciting for Kraken fans. I know they were probably going wild. Um, college, I haven't really looked into that quite yet, but starting up soon and yeah. getting excited. So give it. So looking at the Kraken right now, what is your take on like how you think they're going to do overall in their first season? Because we've seen how good Vegas was when they came in as an expansion team. They made it all the way to the Cup final. Yeah. Do you think the Kraken can do the same, or is there, are we just going to expect like the same type of reaction when expansion teams come in? Just very, very poor. Um, I don't think they're going to do as good as Vegas. I don't think they'd be able to make it to the cup finals because I know that they're still struggling to put their roster together a little bit. They've had a couple contract issues. And so I don't know if they really have their team set in stone yet. So I think they're going to struggle. And, I mean, a key part of Vegas going to the Stanley Cup finals was Marc-Andre Fleury. Can't doubt that. And so I don't think they have the goalie for that. And uh, I think they'll do good. Maybe first-round playoffs around there. But 
not all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. But getting to the getting to the playoffs though for an expansion team, especially for Seattle, because they never had a hockey team in their in their history. Um, obviously, with the Seahawks, we all know the SuperSonics and the Mariners. Uh, so now they have they have three out of the four sports. They're still waiting on their bringing their Sonics back. But with Seattle, you know it's going to be interesting to see how they do in the West this year because that Western Conference, you know, because last year we had the weird divisions and yeah. <laughs> you know we had like the All Canada Division and stuff like that. And the year before it was all messed up as well right. with COVID and everything like that. So it's going to be interesting with them getting back to normal, the normal divisions of what we're used to. So now sitting here right now, it's you know it's September twenty seventh. So Megan, what are you, who are your top five teams in the NHL right now? Mm, that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go with Tampa. I mean they're coming off back to back Stanley Cup champions. I mean they got Stamkos, Kucherov. You know they got the talent and they did lose a few players, but they've kept their core. Um, it's uh, tough. It's tough to say because it's so. It's still so early, but these are bold takes. Yeah. Um, besides Tampa. I mean Montreal. Um, uh, Montreal maybe. I mean they made a good run last year, but again, it's the divisions. They played Canada all year. Like they need to get. That's the hardest thing to determine is how our team's going to go back to playing, playing teams they haven't played in a year, two years almost. Yeah. So that's the biggest challenge to take on for all teams. I mean Vegas is probably going to be up there as well this year. Even but with them trading Flurry to Chicago. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough, but I mean, Leonard's just as good as Flurry. They've been back and forth with the two of them for, I think, a year now. That's so, how they lost the cup. Yeah. It's because they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know yeah. what they were doing goalie wise. I think this will put some insight. Like, it'll leave Leonard to be steadier because before back and forth, it probably shakes up both of their games. Yeah. And now that Leonard possibly is a starting goalie. I don't know who their backup is and how that's going, you know, we won't know probably for a month or two depending on everything. Until they make their cuts and stuff like that exactly. in training camp. Yep. Right. So that that's it. That'll be interesting. So now going back home, hometown, the Red Wings have been in a slump. It's just, it sounds weird saying the Wings are in a slump because we were born into greatness. <laughs> no, we were bo- we were born into <laughs> Or we've all you know we were around and we've seen twenty five years in the playoffs you know all those you know the cups and everything else. Now it's been over five years since we've made the playoffs total. Yes. So Megan, what do you you know? Do you think Steve? First of all, do you think Steve Eiserman's doing a good job in rebuilding this team? I do. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I mean, look what he's done with Tampa. He turned them around and got them two Stanley Cups back to back. That's his name should be on the cup if he didn't leave. Like he made that team. Like. There's no doubt about it, and I think he's doing the right things. Yeah, it sucks because we're stuck in a rebuild, but you need to rebuild to get good, and I know Detroit's tired of hearing it because all of our teams are in that rebuild (laughs) stage right now, but (laughs) I think what he's doing is good, and I think we'll be better this year. Playoffs, bold shot there. I don't think we'd be able to... We might be closer than we have in the past five years, but not close enough to... And and that's everything, right, to give uh, Red Wings fans hope. Right to give them hope, like oh, we came, like we missed it by you know a couple points. We missed it by a couple games. Right. It's just that that's that's just very interesting to do. It's just it's very interesting. Um, I I mean I really hope they they can turn it around because in my opinion I think Steve Eiserman only has a couple of years left because the fans here are getting a little bit irritable. I think he's got eternity. I agree with Sean. I think he wore the C in the city. 
You got an eternity. Detroit loves Steve Eisenman. He could probably give us a horrible season, and they would still find a way to blame it on somebody else besides Steve Eisenman. They would blame it on um, our coach. Ownership. Ownership, whatever. A player. I know Dylan Larkin's getting a lot of heat right now because he's not performing the way that he is projected, but Mm -hmm. I think the pressure is kind of getting to Larkin in a way. I'm a huge Larkin fan, so I'll defend him to the day I die. But um, I know a lot of people aren't happy with him, but I just think they relied a little bit on him too much and that he's a young kid still. So he's like 24, 25, I want to say. Like, yeah, he came in really young out of Michigan. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it's just, you know, you have all this attention on you. You come from, you know, you're a hometown kid as well. Right. So I think that adds more pressure, especially with him coming from a really good collegiate program like Michigan has. And it's so I think that I think that's certain. Like you said, it's starting to get to him. And to be honest, I think it's time that we might be move, have to move on from him. Yeah, that's that's I've heard that talk too. And I don't know though, because I mean he's kind of the face of the franchise right now. Because I mean, like you said, he's a hometown kid, and like everyone wants to see him succeed and wants to see him in Detroit. And I mean, it's every kid's dream to play for your hometown team. Yeah. And I know that he has loved playing here, but I agree, it is kind of get to the point where we might have to see him go, but... So if we, so if the Wings do try to trade Larkin, what is the asking price for him? Like, is it, you know, we want your best player, we want a ton of draft picks for him, you know, a mixture of both, because there's been some trade talks in Buffalo. We talked about a little bit on yeah. the show last week, if you missed it. There's trade talks in Buffalo about one of their best guys. So, Megan, if you want to dive, dive deep a little bit more on that one. What's going on with Buffalo? Buffalo, Jack Eichel, uh, he was stripped of his captaincy as of training camp started. He failed his physical due to his injury that he sustained in, like, March. He got checked into the boards that left him with a bad neck, and he's at wit's end with Buffalo pretty much with uh, the surgery that he wants. They told him not to get one that he wants. That'll be – it's riskier, and not many athletes have gotten it, but it'll be better down the line, and Buffalo is pretty much saying no, and his agent is annoyed because it hasn't been resolved, and it should have before training camp, but the asking price for Jack Eichel, I feel like it'd be pretty high. I mean, he's a good player when he's healthy, but that's the thing. Like you, If he gets the surgery, we don't know what the outcome's going to be. Right, so there's been talks about him going to Vegas because Vegas is in need of that center spot. So do you think Vegas is going to give up, you know, basically what they got from Marc-Andre Fleury, what they got from Chicago to get to fill their center spot? Because their center position has been pretty, you know, it's been pretty vague the last couple of seasons. Right, yeah. Uh, I think he'd be a good fit there. I don't know what Vegas would have to offer. I mean, the way they handled the whole Fleury thing is kind of sketchy in a way and what they got for him. But I think Eichel could probably be worth a couple of draft picks and maybe – not like a star player, but not a player that's like mediocre, like a player that you know can produce and know is good. So it's it's tough because you don't know what the team's going to tell him to do. If he gets traded and he's, the team agrees to the surgery, he might not play. It's definitely risky, but... Do you think he's done? Do you think he'll never put on a Sabres jersey again, or do you think there's a possibility that he will? I think he will. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think he obviously loves Buffalo. He's been playing there since the beginning. I mean, it was his team, he was the captain, but I, it's hard to say. I want to say no because he's at his wit's end with them, and I know he's frustrated, and his agent is 100% frustrated. It's just, it should have been resolved by now. Like, they were, this has been going on since March. 
this surgery, this trade talk, and it's now September. Training and camp time. Training camp, preseason starting, the season starts in a month. It needs to be resolved or taken care of. Interesting. That's inter- That's very interesting. And that is Megan's mega hockey corner. And so we're, that se- this, this segment is definitely going to get a lot more traction in the next month. With the season getting started, I can't. I just. I can't wait to see what you know. What what's going to happen, you know, in Buffalo? What's going to happen in Vegas? What's going to happen with the Red Wings, especially when the season gets started? So now, my biggest take from the weekend is that you know, Michigan State in football is actually a. They're actually a contender to win this Big Ten. Not, you know, not when maybe be more specific, third division, not necessarily the entire conference because Ohio State is still Ohio State and they're going to be around. They're not as dominant Ohio State like we're used to seeing, but they're still Ohio State. Ohio State is going to be good. Michigan, okay, Michigan's had four straight home games. I don't even, first of all, I don't even know how they had four straight home games to start their year off, but you have to look. They played what? They played Western Michigan. Okay, that's not really that's not really a rule that's not a really great game to open your season. Then they played a you know a very very poor Washington team in prime time. Then they played Northern Illinois, and then they just beat Rutgers. Michigan has not been tested to this point yet. They haven't. They haven't been tested. Michigan State, on the other hand, they've been they've been tested pretty good. They went on the road first week, beat Northwestern. Second week they came home, beat the doors off of Youngstown State. Week three. You know, kind of a prime time game uh, in the earlier in the afternoon on a Saturday. Went down to Miami and beat a ranked or an overrated Miami U team, but they were still ranked. They did they you know they beat them and all that stuff. They beat them, and now they just they came back home. They were down. I think they were down either like seven or ten in the fourth, and they came back and won an overtime over Nebraska. And now Michigan State's four and zero. And I, I, I think Michigan State is a pushes to be that second team in that division in the big in the Big Ten in the Big Ten mm-hmm. East under Ohio State. Michigan, I don't think they have. I think when Michigan comes into East Lansing this year, Michigan State's just going to blow the doors off of them. I, I can you know I'm sitting here right it's now. Hard to argue that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's just you know Pete Thorne's been playing the kid. You know the kid has a lot of talent. You know he's a great kid. I you know I bet I met him once. He's a great kid. He's a great kid. Um, you know, Walker. God, Walker can run that ball. Yeah. But they, you know, he's been shut down. I mean, teams. You know, after that Northwestern game, you know, teams. You know, scouting for the next week for Michigan State. They're like, whoa, okay, this kid could run. How are we going to contain him? So that's when Peyton Thorne has been stepping up and really been hitting his receivers really well. Coach Tucker has. Really, you know, obviously last season that was not an ideal way to start taking over a program, you know, with COVID and everything. Now, I this season I think this this should count as his first season taking over. Look what he's done with Michigan State since you know since D'Antonio left, and as those are big shoes to fill. What D'Antonio did for so many years with the Spartans, so I really think I'm I'm thinking now Michigan State maybe could win nine games this year. They could win nine games this year, definitely. Ohio, I mean, they have Penn State, they have Ohio State, and they have Michigan. I, re- I believe they can beat Michigan. I believe that they can challenge Penn State a lot because I think Penn State is probably going to win the Big Ten. Yeah. 
They're gonna win the whole. They're gonna win the entire division. Ohio State. We don't know. They're showing weaknesses. They're showing weaknesses. They beat. I mean, they beat Akron fifty-nine to seven. I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. It's a you're putting a very small uh, MAC team against a powerhouse Big Ten team. That's what's gonna happen, and so I'm just. It's just interesting. So now, as you know, we get out of my take here. We're just looking around the Big Ten. I mean, Bowling Green win to Minnesota. It beat them fourteen to ten. That was shocking. I was shocked. Them looking good. I was shocked. I'm like, really? Bowling Green? I was there when I looked at the MAC projections for the year. They were way down. They were way. They were on almost from the bottom of the barrel when it came to. And now they you go in and beat Minnesota on the road. Okay, you have some. You have some eyes looking at you now. Oh no doubt. You know was. Notre Dame just blew the doors off of Wisconsin. I really thought that game was going to be way closer than it so was. So did I. I was shocked. Way that. closer. Way closer. And Penn State took care of Villanova. Yep. Expected. Northwestern took care of Ohio. Same type of thing with Ohio State beating Akron. You know, you have these you know American teams playing Big Ten. Iowa, Iowa surprised me a little bit. Even though they won by 10, they played Colorado State. And they're the fifth-ranked team in the, in the country right now. I really don't know on how good this – we don't know how good this Iowa team is going to be in the Big Ten West this this year. It's definitely like, hmm, like I really – I don't know. I just – I don't know. It's just – it was a different type of week for the Big Ten. So, Sean, looking, looking right now after – after you know week four of college football, especially looking in the Big Ten, which team are you buying, buying on, buying high on, and which team are you selling right now? Well, you're probably gonna hate this one, but I'm buying Michigan all day. Okay, I, I think that the the run game that they've shown that's the only part that makes me nervous. I get you're real good at running the ball, but throw that mug. Like, let me see what you can do with that. It doesn't really go in the air very much. Everybody's like, well, we don't have to. Well, I think you should probably test that out against NIU before you go against Ohio State, Michigan State, and you're like, oh, time to use the offense. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a dangerous game to play. Like, oh, we, we can pass, we think. But I'm buying them. I'm out on Ohio State. And the only reason I'm out is because I hate them, and I so bad want them to lose, <laughs> and now I see a weakness, I'm like, it's over. This is the end of the run. Well, just well, just because they have a couple weaknesses, you know, once Big Ten play actually starts – Ohio State, like we've seen in the past, whoever's you know quarterbacking that team, they can turn it around so quick, yeah. and they can be a, a not a, not only a Big Ten threat but a national threat. No doubt. Uh, you know, like you know, we've seen them in the past. You know, can they beat Ohio State? Can they get past Clemson? Yeah. This ta- this Ohio State team, I don't know. I don't know. That's 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 it. That's interesting, and you know. Looking at your take about Michigan, you know, you're buying high on Michigan. You know, what's your win total? I'm like, well, what, you know, what, how good can this Wolverines team be? You know, what, what they very, good. very minimal passing game that they got. National championship is the top tier of it. They could win it all, I think. I think this is Harbaugh's year to win it all. It's going to happen. With Blake Corum back there, and he's beating the heck out of people. He's looking good. Now, the offensive passing game, like I think, isn't there then they can win five games. You know what I mean? I'm buying on a team with the most risk potential of I, any in the Big Ten. I mean, they were 19th in the country. Now they're 14th. 
They're that at, scares me though too. They keep moving up and they're not really playing any different. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, we're, they're getting better. They're getting better. No, they're just handing that thing off. Yeah, I mean, you have, they have Wisconsin this week coming up. That's a real test. If they beat them, and we'll roll. Then they have Nebraska, Northwestern, and then the night before Halloween is Michigan State. So, and then they have Penn State, and then Ohio State closing out the year. Obviously, Ohio State being the last game of the year. Always. So, interesting. Interest, interesting to hear about, you know, I, I hear Michigan people all the time, yeah, Michigan, yeah, we're going to be good, we're going to be so good. Two weeks, like, you know, once the non-conference play is done, the Big Ten play starts, yeah. people are like, eh, no, we're not, we're this isn't our year. Yep. Yeah. So, now, Megan, who, which Big Ten team in college football are you selling? You know, you're buying high on, and which team are you selling after four weeks of play before we head into conference play? Um, probably gonna have to go with Michigan State. I mean, they're looking good. I mean, I don't follow college football as much as the two of you do, but uh, I mean, part of me is kind of going Michigan State because Sean just say Michigan, so I feel like I gotta go against that. <laughs> but um, I think Peyton Thorne is looking good, and I think Tucker's really starting to make a name for himself after D'Antonio. So I think it'll be a ru- it'll be rough. And but I think they can at least show that they're getting better and that they're in the thing in this thing rather than like completely bombing it. So yeah, it's definitely I, I you know I agree with you. It's just you know part of me wants to say you know you know what Penn State is legit. Penn State's legit. You know they are they are the team to beat, especially after you beat Auburn. You know at home and, and so they look good too. They've looked and Auburn's look good. And so is Penn State, you know. Usually when SEC and Big Ten matchups happen in college football, we're like, okay, unless it's Alabama and Auburn, there's no chance a Big Ten team's going to win. Yeah. Maybe you throw in a Georgia or a Florida, depending on the year. But other than that, no shot. But Penn State, they, they beat Auburn pretty good. Yeah. They beat Auburn pretty good a couple weeks ago. So I think, I think Penn State gets to the Big Ten title game. I think they, they get over Ohio State. They get past Michigan State and Michigan, you know, because that division is absolutely stacked. It's ridiculous of how many good teams there are in the Big Ten East compared to the Big Ten West. So I think Penn State's going to play Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Mark And Penn State will make the college football playoff. Yeah. They will make the college football playoff, winning the Big Ten, as opposed to get, getting to the national championship. That's up. That's up for major debate. Uh, <laughs> because there are a lot of diff, you know, there are a lot of different factors, especially you know Alabama. Yeah, it's Bama, bad, bad, yeah, Bama. Yeah, you know Georgia. Georgia looks pretty good. They're scary good. Georgia, but the team I think I think in my opinion looks scary is is Oregon. Yep, yeah, and they don't have uh, Thibodeau or whatever. Yeah, the, they they the look. End, that's her. They look. Oregon looks like you know back to the old Marcus Mariota days yeah. of Oregon. They could be a very scary team. Oklahoma four and zero. Yeah, that one's that's controversial. Yeah, they're number four. Penn State, they're number. They're, they sit at number six. Uh, there's there's some teams that are creeping into the top twenty five this week. I'm like, really? You know, they're but you know, you look at them on paper and stuff and their stats like Fresno State. They Wake are from, a good team. And Wake Forest, you're looking at like really? Yeah. But okay, it's just like you know Michigan State. They're you know almost the same. They're right with Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Coastal Carolina. I haven't heard that name since college baseball. Yeah. <laughs> since, yeah. co- since you know <laughs> since college baseball. So it's it's def it's definitely an interesting take. Um, 
especially with, you know, with the college football playoff and stuff like that, you know, you got to get the wins early or else you're not going to get highly ranked and all that kind of stuff. Major League Baseball has been kind of interesting as we're wrapping up the regular season. Obviously, the Tigers are out of contention. We all know that. But looking back at the Tigers season, you know, it's not over yet, but, you know, it's wrapping up and stuff like that. So, so Sean, I want to start, you know, Sean, what – what has your been like a, like a good takeaway you've seen from this Tiger team this year? They got a lot of heart, and I I think they have a good pitching staff. I don't know exactly what's going on with Casey Mize. They're trying to give him pitching restriction and limit his innings. That makes me nervous because when he came to Detroit when they drafted him first overall, I thought he's going to be the great one. I thought we we're going to get another Verlander, another Scherzer, but we're still stuck in the middle of the road. We got to get out from under Mickey's contract. People are going to hate that I say that. He's a great Tiger, but he's hurting the development of people like Spencer Torkels and people who now it seems like he's going to first base. That might be a good move, too, and we can keep Miggy at DH, you know what I mean? So, Yeah. Megan? Uh, I think from the season, I mean, Cabrera, I agree with Sean. He's, his contract is kind of hurting us, but I think it was good to see him this year reach the 500 home yeah. run milestone. I think oh, that yeah. was definitely good to see, some good news for Detroit, finally, definitely. and to see him not – struggle like he did last year a little bit but our pitching is still struggling and I agree with Sean about the Casey Mize it's weird to see him have such a inning certain innings pitch count and like them not letting him go all the way and I think that's really holding the Tigers back is that he is so worried about not going past what they want him to do that it's not helping them they need to let him kind of let loose and let go and he could become a Verlander or a Scherzer. Yeah, because the Tigers, you know, they haven't really had the greatest pitching staff since the Verlander Scherzer days and all that's and you know that was those were the days and it just it's been a long rebuild like we discussed with the Red Wings earlier in in the show. It's been a long process for the Tigers as well. I think it's been way longer than, for the for them than the Red Wings. Um, you know, it, hell, we could throw in the Pistons. That's been even longer for them. Uh, so. But sticking with the Tigers, it's definitely been interesting to see them play this year, especially with you know all the you know talent that's coming up from AAA and you know all, you know these prospects that we're drafting and all that kind of stuff. So I'm you know at, you know one a couple points during the season we we're leading the AL Central and stuff like that. We were contending like oh I think that really gives Tiger fans hope. Yeah. Be yeah. like oh my we 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 were actually leading this division. You know, at certain points throughout the season, granted it may, might have been early. You know, nevertheless, leading the division—that's something we haven't done yeah. in a very, very long time. And so I think that's going to be interesting. But just looking at the MLB as a whole, there is, in my opinion, there is no stopping the Dodgers this year. There's no, no way. No. There's just no way. And they just kept adding. They were good last year, and they added Scherzer. Like they're going to be good. I think. I don't think. I think. I think it's you know goes without saying. All three of us sitting here could probably say, "Yeah, the Dodgers are going to be World Series champions again." They're Unless gonna... Clayton Kershaw shits the bed in the playoffs, because he tends to do that. You know what I mean? He looks superhuman in the regular season, and get Clayton in the playoffs, and he looks like Matt Stafford. So. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, Matt with again with Matt Stafford in LA, maybe it'll change, <laughs> right? Right. <I'm> right. <laughs> but they also they have Scherzer. They the Dodgers have a good pitching staff. They prepped themselves, and it's no longer just on Kershaw. I will give you that. Yeah, I think that yeah. I think that takes the pressure off of Kershaw a lot. 
because they have shirts. They have a really good rotation. They have they have really good hitters as well. So it's you know there's there are contenders in the AL. You know there's you know there's there, you have your contenders. It's just I don't know if they stack up to the overall the just the talent that the Dodgers have. It's just you know yeah you know the Yankees there's the Red Sox and stuff like that you know. Teams like you know, people always think of like yeah yeah you know those teams are always good. Mm. They're looking bad right now. Yeah, I mean they're not. I mean they're not looking great. I mean the team that wins the AL Central probably is not going to be the greatest in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know Tampa Bay, maybe, maybe if they can get there, they can get back for a rematch. Who knows what can happen there? Yeah, I'll give you that. The Astros, yeah. May I don't know, don't know, really don't know with them, you know, White Sox, yeah, it's just, yeah, everyone is, you know, you look at everyone in the in, in the NL, it's just like, they don't even compare yeah. to what the Dodgers bring to the plate, bring to the plate literally and figuratively, um, so, <laughs> and, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's interesting, I just, I just hope it's good playoff baseball that starts up in a couple, you know, like a week or two and stuff like because we're just we're wrapping everything up and then, you know, we just gotta wait till March until the Tigers start spring training in Lakeland, Florida again. <laughs> it's all a cycle. And it's just you know we wait for it. yay it's opening day and it just spirals back out of control. Kind of kind of kind of with the Red Wings with the Lions like yeah game number one going to the Super Bowl we're going <laughs> not even to the Super Bowl yeah we're going to the playoffs we're going to the playoffs. <laughs> Week number after week number one, we'll be all right. Yeah, we always have that hope, and then it slowly dies. Like we three can't or four games in. Maybe we, it's like we, sport. we it's like we can't lose them all again, right? <laughs> right, that's we the can, one. Yeah. We can't lose. We can't lose them all again, right? You know, it's oh, it's always with the Lions. Yeah, sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. So now here's the question of the week. Question of the week is the term. Goat has been popping up in vocab in just conversations so much over the past couple of years. So, not even just Detroit. You look is at all corners of the sports world. Who is the true? Who is your goat, Megan? I'm um, have to go in with Wayne Gretzky. It's going to be the goat win. Oh boy. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I think he's the greatest player of all time. One of the greatest players of all time. Definitely the greatest high player of all time. I'll give him that. But that's who I go to when I think goat. So just immediately. So you go immediately to Wayne Gretzky. You do. You you don't even think of Mr. Hockey at all. Who is the who is the greatest player of all time? I do. I do put uh, Mr. Hockey up there too. But I mean, Gretzky's breaking records. I mean. Mr. Hockey's breaking records as well, but I don't know. I, right when you said goat, that was what first came to my mind. Is Wayne Gretzky? Wayne Gretzky. It came. It came. Sean, who is when I when you hear the term goat, who comes to your mind? Barry right? Sanders. Okay. Greatest running back of all time. He walked away from football twelve hundred yards away from Walter Payton's record. It would have never been Emmitt Smith's record. I will argue that point until I die. Emmitt Smith had to play twenty-two years to get that record. Barry would have done it in twelve. Barry's the greatest to ever to do it. And then if you watch his highlights, you see what he did to that New England Patriots cornerback that was spinning circles on his way <laughs> to the end zone. Like, there's nobody better than Barry. No, and that's – and when I hear the great – and I when I hear the greatest of all time, it's – you know, my mind goes to just four four sports at once. Four sports at once. 
But when I when I come back to it all, there there is one, and he, you know, he even though he lost yesterday, he's still the greatest. It's Tom Brady. I knew that's where you were going. I it's can't argue it's that. Brady. You can't argue for that. the longest time, for the longest time, I used I debated people so much, say no, 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 Peyton Manning's the greatest to ever play. Yeah, Peyton Manning got. He broke all of Dan Marino and Brett Favre's records before Breeze and Brady got to him. Yep. You know, because Peyton did it in less time and stuff like that. But just look at what Brady's done. Seven seven Super Bowls, six with one franchise, one with another. We're, pro- we're probably thinking two at this point. Yeah. You know, Penn's are thinking it by Stafford's Rams. Again, that's a long shot. You know, we'll be, we'll be along for that ride. Yeah. But... Booking what Brady Brady did in New England for all that time, just coming off, just coming to the injured Drew Bledsoe, yeah. this you know this guy who did, couldn't even run uh, like a five and a half forty yard dash at the combine, a kid out of Michigan, kid out from California that went to Michigan, and just say, just looking yeah just look at what Brady's done. Like I said last week on the show. They projected. They're projecting Tom Brady. They they projected Tom Brady with seventy two touchdowns this year. That was heading into. That was heading into this week. I don't know what the projections are now, but seventy two. That's crazy. That's insane. Peyton Manning threw fifty five, and that record still stands. But Holmes threw fifty in twenty eighteen. He threw fifty, and everyone was like, "Oh man, like wow!" But if Brady throws for like sixty this year. That's incredible. Oh, no that guy's forty-four years old. That's unheard. That's just unheard of. I mean, you don't, you know, Brad, I, Brett Favre couldn't do that at the end of his career. No All these quarterbacks couldn't. Breeze couldn't. No, you know, most of those guys couldn't get throw the ball thirty yards down the field. And Brady's just throwing fifty-yard bombs like it's just nothing. Like he just came, like he just got right off the team bus and just like, you know what? Let's just go. I don't need the stretch. I don't need the trainers to look at me. Let's just <laughs> go. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna throw. I'm just gonna throw, and just his foot, just the way that he's, you know, he stayed he, the way he's kept his body over these years, you know. Obviously, with other quarterbacks like with Peyton, you've had you hit Peyton Manning, you've had the injury and stuff like mm-hmm. that that happened, um, you know, and then another injury towards the end of his career, his nerve damage in his hand, you know, Brett Favre with his with his uh, with his problems as well. Breeze, Breeze not being able to throw him. His arm died the last year. It, yeah, you know, with him not being able to throw the ball as efficiently as we as we saw, um, you know, even going way back with looking at Joe Montana, couldn't even, you know, he couldn't do it anymore. Troy Aikman couldn't do it anymore. It's just amazing to see Tom Brady do this. You know, he's been playing since he's been playing football for the you know professionally as long as I've been alive. You know, See, that, I watched him in college. I remember, and he was like you said before. He wasn't even top tier coming out of Michigan. Everybody wanted Drew Henson. You know what I mean? Look at Tom Brady. Six, six round. One ninety nine. One ninety nine overall. That is crazy. Look where he is now. Yeah, and and some you look at the top picks ever, like the quarter. You know, quarterback that was taken right after Peyton Manning in nineteen ninety eight was Ryan Leaf. Yeah. Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> you, you look like the Ryan Leafs and the Jamarcus Russells of the yeah. NFL, and then you know, top guys busts. Yeah. Brady is the true heart 
and the soul of, and the definition of the greatest player of all time. There's just there's no there's no question. I used to question it for so long, like I said with Peyton and stuff. But yeah, but Peyton, you know, Peyton, you know, Peyton got to the yardage first. He got to the completion percentage first. He got to the touchdowns first. Brady has six hundred and seventy three touchdowns. Granted, one hundred and two of them are to Gronk, but uh, and a plethora of other receivers throughout his time with the Patriots and uh, the Buccaneers, even with one with one season and three games down. So, I said last week, I really think, and I'll say it again, I think this guy could play till he's fifty. I really can't. I really believe that Tom Brady could play till he's fifty years old, and you know. I mean, he has, you know, he has the TV, you know, he has his own company. He has the TV 12 diet yeah. and all that stuff. He's got, you know, he's got his trainers. He's got, he's got everything going for him. You know, it's just a matter of the fact of, you know, it's been a joke. Will Giselle let him play that long? Yeah. Um, will, will his wife let him play that long? Because his kids are growing up so fast. And I, you know, I can, I can understand of, of Tom saying, you know what? I want to keep going. I want to keep playing, and you know, until I... I physically cannot do it anymore. And right now it's looking like he physically can do it forever, the way yeah. he just continues to throw the ball. Like it's and his mind. insane. And his mind. You'll see, you, we've seen in the past quarterbacks, you know, their football mind, it just, it's shut, it just shuts down. They're not making the best decisions. They're not making the best reads. They're not make, calling the best play. Brady's playing like this is like, he, like he's just coming off the bench, relieving Bledsoe. Like, you know, it's, yeah. two, like it's the year 2000. His football mind and his IQ, I think, is so high. It's so high off the charts that that's one of the biggest reasons he's been able to keep playing for so long. And everyone thought, oh, he's going to Tampa. We've seen this before. Joe Montana, yeah, he went to Kansas City after the Niners. And Peyton went to the Broncos. Yeah, Peyton was an exception. You know, he got two Super Bowls and those incredible. Yeah, that's a different That's a different <laughs> topic. That's a different discussion. Um, so... With, you know, we've seen quarterbacks just decline when they go, if especially for so long after one team. Yeah. You know, and with Tom, with Tom, everyone thought, yeah, it's the box. What's he gonna do? Granted, he had, he had, you know, at the time when he signed, he had Mike Evans, he had Godwin. Yeah. He brought Antonio Brown with him. Yeah. He brought Gronk back with him. You know, Antonio Brown was probably the biggest question mark. Granted, you know, he's a CMU, CMU alum, even though he doesn't claim to be. He says he's from Boomin University, not Central Michigan yeah, you University. Can, you can keep lying like that, but I've seen him here in this uniform. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, just the way that Tom Brady has been such a leader to Antonio Brown, you know, we've all seen the controversy with the Raiders, and he, you know, he, Brady brought him in with the Patriots, and that didn't last. Brings him in Tampa Bay, boom. Touchdown in the Super Bowl. And how, he looks like a changed person. And he looks like a changed person. That's just how great great of a court. I don't even think guys, current guys like St- you know, Stafford, I think, could do it. But I don't think like guys like Rodgers can help a guy like that. No. No. There's no chance. There is absolutely no chance. So that is, uh, that's why, in my opinion, Brady is the absolute, the, probably the greatest athlete in the history of professional sports. You know, you have to think like, oh, what about NBA? You think of Jordan. You know, you have to think of 
LeBron. Um, I don't like saying that. That one I, felt real hard. <laughs> I, you had a hard time saying that I, one. I, I, yeah, that's hard for and Wayne Gretzky. Um, that, that's hard for me to say as well. You know, in baseball, there's just baseball. There's just so many different guys. Yeah. I mean, yes, from so many like Babe Ruth, all those, all those guys going way back to now. Yeah. But Brady is the true goat of of professional sports. So and. That's that's all the time we got for that's all the time we got for this week. Megan, Sean, any any final thoughts as we wrap up this second installment here of Unsportsmanlike Conduct? Nope, I think it was a good one. I'm excited to be part of this team. You know, very excited for uh, what's coming and with all the seasons either starting or wrapping up. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's definitely, you know, I've in my, you know, in all the years I've been doing podcasts and stuff like that, I've never had, you know, all my co-hosts and stuff, they've all been guys. All been guys. I've never had never had never, you know, worked never worked with a girl before and stuff like that on a podcast and stuff, you know. I I I tried it in high school. That that was a absolute <laughs> train wreck. But, you know, cuz they didn't know their sports. You are you are just, you know, as long as you just keep sh- iron sharpens iron your hockey, I have, I, I can't keep up with that, especially, so I'm definitely excited for you, you know, especially, you know, this being your first one and all that oh, stuff, gosh. and you're texting me, before, you know, text, you know, throughout the week, I say, oh, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous, you did a, you did a fantastic job, and you're just, you're going to get better and better and better as this go on, as this goes on. Sean, I know you're, you have a history with the, all this yeah. kind of stuff. But you know, you know, how was your first? You know, how did you feel about your first show and stuff like that? What are your final thoughts as we wrap up here? I like this show a lot, and I think you made some great points about Brady at the end there. That now you got me, my brain turning. Like, damn, he's right. He's right about Brady. <laughs> but I also, I've, I've done every show I've done has been with a woman, so it was great to have another woman on and provide that angle and have the knowledge. And I'm pumped up about this. So. I, I'm excited too, and that will, that will do it for Unsportsmanlike Conduct episode two. I'm your host. Aaron Gemmel signing off, and as always, keep it fresh and come back next week for more.